go. Yes, you are listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, December the 20th in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're wondering, what are we going to talk about today? Because next Sunday is the first Sunday after Christmas, which means Christmas is over. So we're going to talk about the Christmas lesson that people hopefully will be hearing in church either on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Uh, Each church is a little different in that area. So let's take a look at the birth of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 25. Matthew 1, 18 to 25. It begins, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Jesus is the name, of course, that the angel told Joseph to refer to him as. And the word Christ is, well, it's the English word for the Hebrew Messiah and for the Greek Christus. We'll talk about that a little bit as we get going. So it's going to be talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Now, a lot of people think that that just simply means they were engaged and they were promising each other that they would be married. But that's how things are done in our day. People get engaged, then they make plans for the wedding, etc. But in that day, the betrothal was actually part of becoming married. In other words, it wasn't unlo- it wasn't like modern engagement. It was a legally binding relationship and it was a first stage of marriage. They did not live together. They did not have relations. And of course, Mary became pregnant by a divine miracle not through human means. So this is what this verse is talking about. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Remember, that's talked about in Luke. Gabriel meets Mary How am I going to have a child? I do not yet know a man. Well, the Holy Spirit. She will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus will be born of the Virgin Mary. And there's a passage in Isaiah 7 that talks about that birth by a virgin. And Mary, of course, was not married, and therefore she was a virgin, but she was in the midst of a marriage kind of ceremony. That, that could last up to a year, 
the betrothal. So she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, that's an important. How are you found to be with child? Well, obviously, her size was different, and people could tell that she was having a baby. So her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, you got to remember, this is in Nazareth. It's not that big a town. And the idea that Mary could be known as being pregnant and then the divorce is done quietly in the sense that not many people know about it, that's kind of ridiculous. It would be around the whole town in no time that they were divorced. So what does it mean quietly? Well, the law called for a woman who was betrothed or engaged that if she was found guilty of adultery, she was to be stoned. And that, of course, would be something that Joseph thought would put her to shame. So he decided to do it quietly. What does that mean? What that means is that Joseph decided that he wouldn't proclaim Mary to be an adulteress, and he would just let it go. He would not marry her, of course, but this gave the impression, because he was doing it in this way, that he was the father. So he embarrassed himself in doing it quietly, in refusing to stone her. He was simply saying, well, Mary and I did come together. We did have a baby, but because she's pregnant, I'm not going to marry her, but I'm not going to stone her either. And so Joseph gave himself the reason for her pregnancy. What he's considering these things, verse 20 of Matthew 1. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, normally, the angel of the Lord refers to Jesus, but this isn't with the definite article, like the angel of the Lord appeared on Mount Sinai at the burning bush. Remember that? Jesus was speaking to Moses. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So last week, we, we talked about how many Christians, over 60%, doubt that Jesus existed before he was born. Well, he certainly did. He was part of the Trinity. He was God. He did not exist as a human being until the conception and birth, but he certainly did exist. And he's found throughout the Old Testament. 
time and time again. So, an angel comes to him. This is not Jesus. It is an angel of the Lord. And we can assume that it was probably Gabriel. Gabriel had just come, of course, to Zechariah to tell him about the birth of John the baptizer. Remember, Zechariah didn't believe it. So he became mute, unable to talk until John was born. Then Gabriel had visited Mary. And sure enough, she was told that she would be with child of the Holy Spirit. So assuming this is Gabriel talking to Joseph, appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David. Now, wait a minute. Joseph wasn't the son of David, but in the Bible, when you talk about son of someone, it means that you were son of that person somewhere in your history. It could have been hundreds of years ago, but you are definitely a descendant of David. And that's important to understand because Jesus was of David. Now, what does that mean? Well, Christ means anointed one. Jesus means the Lord is salvation. Son of David, which Joseph also was, means that Jesus is a descendant of King David. And remember, God had made a promise that through that family, the Messiah was to come. Son of Abraham means Jesus is Abraham's descendant and the promised one through which all nations would be blessed. Now, Abraham was not Jewish. And therefore, a lot of people say, well, I'm a descendant of Abraham. And they thought that that was sufficient for them to be saved. No, there's two sons of Abraham. This is explained in Romans 9 to 11. The one are simply related to Abraham, but they have no faith in Jesus Christ. But the other ones are the sons of Abraham of faith, following Isaac. And they believed in the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Christ. And therefore, those of faith were saved. It's what the whole Reformation was about, that salvation is not by works, that's the law, but salvation is by the gospel. In other words, believing the promises connected to the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ is what saves people. They have faith, which is the same word as belief, which is the same word as trust. So trusting in God is what saves individuals. And that trust is also a gift of the Holy Spirit. A unbeliever cannot 
come to trust in Jesus Christ because he's an unbeliever. What has to happen is that through word and sacrament, because that's the way the Holy Spirit works, he comes to a knowledge of who God truly is and believes that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of the promises of the Old Testament, pointing forward to the Lamb of God who has come, as John the baptizer says, to take away the sins of the world. So, Gabriel, or the angel, says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So that's where we get the Apostles' Creed. This is very, very important that Christmas is about Jesus becoming incarnate. And incarnation means he becomes a human being. Now, he's still God, but he has two natures, the divine, that's being God, and the human, that's being the son of Mary. So, the angel says to Joseph, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, what other passage do you need in the Bible to show that salvation comes from God and God alone? God is always the one who gets all the credit for saving us. Not only did God, as the Trinity, decide that one of them would become a human being, and that was the second person, Jesus, but that he would come to save people from their sins. This is what the Christmas story is about. Jesus as Savior. We had a double sign in front of our church for 28 years. Well, it's still there. But we would have sayings on there. And the one I would often use for Christmas, he was born in order to die. See, Christmas is really about Jesus dying on the cross. That is the purpose of his becoming a human being in order to die on the cross for us. Because the person who dies on the cross, that's on a tree, is cursed according to the Old Testament. And Jesus became the curse, the greatest curse of mankind. He became sin in God the Father's sight. That's why he abandoned him at the cross. And Jesus alone suffered the punishment that you and I should have suffered. That's an important point 
of Christmas. A, a lot of times it gets lost because we recognize that the birth of Jesus is a gift given to us by God. And so we start emphasizing the gifts given at Christmas. But the main gift given at Christmas was Jesus in his incarnation becoming a human being so that he could die. As God, he was unable to die. God doesn't die. God doesn't get thirsty. God doesn't get hungry. God doesn't feel alone. Jesus experienced all those manifestations of being a human being as the curse of sin. And therefore, when he died, he took upon himself that curse, paid the punishment, and you get all the benefits of his death by believing those promises. Now, what Matthew does, Matthew is a book, a gospel. There's four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each of them write to a different audience. And Matthew's audience is primarily Jewish. So he does quoting quite a bit from the Old Testament, which Gentiles would not have understood because they weren't reading the Old Testament. But Jews heard the Old Testament every Sabbath when they went to the synagogue to worship. And what does the quotation say that Matthew used? He's quoting Isaiah 7.14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, that's a Hebrew word kind of made up of three Hebrew words, meaning God with us. In fact, well, Matthew even translates it, which means God with us. Now, if he's writing to Jews, why does he write the translation in the Greek as to what the Hebrew word Emmanuel means? You need to remember that the common language used even among the Jews at that time was Aramaic. And it's quite possible that a number of them were unaware of this great message in the Hebrew. But Matthew translates it for them, God with us. This is very important that that's what Christmas is about. God is now with us, not just present with us, but he also is a human being. Very, very important. Now, verse 24, this is Matthew 1. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Now, that, that's amazing. You have a dream, and when you wake up, you really have come to an understanding 
that this was God speaking to you. And God says a most ridiculous thing, that the woman to whom you are betrothed, she is pregnant, but it is due to the Holy Spirit. Who would believe that? Joseph believed it. It kind of reminds us of Abraham. God came to him. His wife Sarah was old, way past childbearing age. Well, you're going to have a son, you and Sarah, and you will call his name Isaac. Now, did Abraham find out that immediately Sarah was pregnant? No. He waited 25 years before Sarah became pregnant. But when he was told about her pregnancy, he did not doubt it. She kind of laughed at it. You know, look how old I am. But no, God moved her to become pregnant. She gave birth to Isaac. And that was the son promised to Abraham that would be a blessing to the entire world. Because it was through Isaac, through his seed, that the Messiah would come. And that's why Jesus is not only the son of Abraham, but he's also the son of David. Because that was a child that came from Ruth and Boaz when they got married. Which is interesting, because Ruth was not Israel. She was a Gentile, and yet she is part of the line to Jesus. It shows that, therefore, Jesus is for all people, Jew and Gentile. So what did Joseph do? When he woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife which means that they got married, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. And remember what we said Jesus means. It's a personal name and can be understood as the Lord is salvation. In fact, in the Bible, Jesus is referred to as our righteousness. This is very important to understand and should be taught to people at Christmas that Jesus is our salvation in the sense that though he never sinned, he took upon himself the punishment for sin. And that meant that God then took his righteousness and applies it to you as you have faith in Jesus Christ. So when somebody asks you, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven and why? Well, the answer is yes, but it's not because you attend church or you read the Bible or you bring your children up or you do a lot of good deeds. No, none of those good deeds got you to be a Christian. They exactly instead 
refer to the results of your having become a Christian, that God looks on you now and considers you as part of his family. So God the Father is your father. That's why when you pray to him, you can say, Our Father who art in heaven. Jesus Christ is your brother because he died to pay for the sins that you have committed. And that's what Christmas is really all about. And the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is the one who brings you the good news, creates faith in your heart so that you are saved totally by the work of God, not by your own work. And so we have a wonderful message that we can tell people during this Christmas season. And it's not about just giving presents one to another because of the present we received from God. It's also saying that the present we received is a human being who died on the cross for our sins and takes us to heaven as we trust in his promises, not when we obey his will. We love to obey his will, but that doesn't get us to heaven. That just shows we're already on the way to heaven. So tomorrow on Law and Gospel with Mark Smith, We're going to take a look at a hymn, Let All Together Praise Our God. And it's the hymn for this coming Sunday also, the first Sunday after Christmas. Join us on Law and Gospel. Tell your friends about us. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.